Welcome, everyone, to the Week 3 Take the Points College Football Podcast. I'm Tom. I'm here with Dan and Ryan. I'm in Connecticut. They're out in Arizona. We have a lot of stuff to talk about before we get into some picks and some lines in a down week of college football coming up. We actually have a few things we want to talk about that we find intriguing, but there's no other way we can start the show than to go straight to the coaching expert, Mr. Ryan Spillett in Phoenix, Arizona. We must acknowledge, eulogize, memorialize, keep in our thoughts and prayers one euthanize. Scott euthanize <laughs> Mr. Scott Frost. I I never thought it would happen. It's one of those things like Clay Helton. You knew it was coming, but it's still shocking to see it actually happen. And in week three, by the way, you know, we ran yeah. through this week one and this exceeds our worst possible expectation. Week three. Ryan. Well, it's funny you should say Clay Helton, Tom, because the coach who Shang Sung Scott Frost is none other than Clay Helton. That, that was probably the most shocking part of this whole thing. It's not that Frost got fired. It's not that he got fired in week three. It's that he got fired after losing to Clay Helton. That's amazing. Like, you have no choice as an administrator. You're like, we just watched this guy ruin USC. Like, look what Lincoln Riley's doing already. That guy ruined USC to the point where he had to go to the Sun Belt. And now the Sun Belt is the dominant conference in America behind the SEC. So Scott Frost, total disaster. Just, I just never understood what his plan was. I never understood what, like, the offense was supposed to be. Like, at UCF it was pretty obvious what their offense was, you know, like they had an identity. I don't think he, he ever, I like developed an identity at Nebraska. And I think that was his number one downfall is that he's never decided on anything. He just kind of, you know, uh, sat out there and, and, you know, I don't even know what he's doing. I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm a loss for words for what he actually tried to accomplish. That's correct. You don't, nobody knows. I mean, he didn't try to do what he did at UFC, UFC, UCF, which would have made sense. He didn't really try to do what he did when he played at Nebraska, which I guess probably wouldn't have worked, but at least would have made sense from a philosophical standpoint. He didn't really do anything. And he was so bad that his buyout drops on October 1st, three weeks from now. And they were like, no, we'll just rather, we'd rather pay. Just get him out of here. Peace. Dan, thoughts on Mr. Frost? Uh, it was a long time coming. Um, there, there's not much more to be said about that. I will mention that some of the names to replace Scott Frost could not be more entertaining. And I can only hope. Uh, oh, Urban Meyer. I haven't heard anything about this. Lay it on me. Urban Meyer. Jill O'Brien, please let it be. <laughs> please. please. No, I wait, I want to hear the rest of the list before I decide. Uh, some of them are half decent. Matt Campbell at Iowa State probably makes sense. Um, yeah, those are like the main three, but we can only hope it's Bill. Uh, Ryan, go ahead. What else you got? The, the name that I've heard uh, from a few sources is none other than the foot lover himself, Rex Ryan. Oh my God, oh my dude. God. 
all right, now we got a competition because Urban Meyer is a pipe dream. I mean, whoever, they just bring him up for every job, you know, like Toledo yeah. opens up. They're like, oh, Urban Meyer would be great for that job. So he's a Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's, he's a good fit. It's perfect. He's a good culture, culture fit, quality of candidate fit. He's, he's a very good fit. Now, Rex Ryan, until you said that name, I don't think you can, I don't think you can beat that for Nebraska football. He embodies everything that I think about when I think about Nebraska football. Truly unbelievable, man. I'm all for it. As a Bills fan, I'm all for it for many, many reasons. So good. And I would say Nebraska football, who, what football program has, is more in love with the feet than Nebraska football and the triple option. <laughs> they, they got as many feet back there as they could. Rex will be perfect. All right. The Rex Ryan for Nebraska coach campaign officially kicks off now on take the points. And he got his first, he got his first NIL endorsement already. He, he literally from everything I've seen, it's real that he signed like an endorsement deal with Dr. Scholes. It's gotta be real. It's too ridiculous to make up. Like you would never be able to even, it, it would seem fake. If you made it up, you'd be like, that's a complete hack joke. So it's gotta be real. Now, maybe I'll sound like an idiot tomorrow when it gets retracted. But as of uh, Wednesday night, when we are recording this, I'm saying it's got to be real. And I think it's great. It's better than any of the fake nil NIL deals we've made up on this show. So we got to step our game up because this real one is way better than any of the satire ones we've come up with. It's true. Man, thank you, Nebraska football, for just decades and decades of entertainment. In all categories, comedy, actual football value, and everything in between. Thank you. Dan, you want to talk about some of the games? You want to talk about the success of the fun build? Yeah, I would. And I'd like to apologize to all of our listeners for a glaring oversight that Tom pointed out on Saturday night. The offensive line coach for Texas A&M is Steve Adazio. Now, if you've been listening at all to the program over the past couple of years, you will know that Steve Adazio is a just complete laughing stock, whether it's a Boston College talking about dudes or Colorado State or the fact that he got thrown out before halftime of his last game before he got fired last year in Colorado State. Just one of the worst coaches of all time. So Jimbo brings him in to run the offensive line. They have all five-star recruits. Translates into eight first downs against an Appalachian State team that gave up 63 points to North Carolina at home the week before. So, I mean, just to, to, to really drive the point home that Adazio is probably the worst coach in all of college football, it's just totally validated. So, I apologize that I did not point that out. I lost track of Steve. I thought he was taking a year off. Apparently not. So, um, great job by App State. Um, I, I, it, it, I'm at a loss for words. Like, how does he even have a job? There's no qualifications. You can go to Home Depot and get a road cone and put it on the sideline, and you'll get better production than Steve Adazio. Uh, it's just one of the all-time worst coaches I've ever seen in any sport. And eight first downs at home as an SEC school with all star. I mean, 
they have an unbelievable amount of talent, as you know. So anyway, uh, App State getting it done. Georgia State, Clay Helton getting it done. And then Marshall beating Notre Dame. Uh, Marshall, you know, they did an awesome job in the offseason with the transfer portal. They brought in, I think, like 19 guys from uh, Power 5 schools. Um, they looked like a way better team. It didn't seem like a fluke performance. Notre Dame looked terrible. We should have seen that one coming, too. Uh, I swear in my life I had Marshall Moneyline queued up in my queue on Saturday morning. It didn't pull the trigger. Uh, still mad about that. But um, great to see Notre Dame at 0-2. It makes me feel great. And, um, yeah, great job by the Sun Belt, Dazio, Scott Frost, and overrated uh, Notre Dame, which, by the way, um, I have a friend who um, hates Notre Dame more than anybody else. And he referred to them as... Is it us? No, no, it's even it's even more. And he refers to them as South Bend Community College, which I thought was very <laughs> funny. He said, good to see South Bend CC at 0-2. And, and I'm like, I'm going to use that from now on. That's so, very good. Uh, yeah, very, very funny. So, yeah, that's basically the the recap. And also, of course, Texas squeaking by. You know, Texas or uh, Alabama looked looked really bad um, against Texas. They looked bad on the road last year. They had some stinkers. Um, you know, I don't think these Alabama teams are as good as the years past. Of course, that's still maybe good enough to make the playoff and even win a national championship. Um but they look like they got some real problems there. And um, I think they'll be really tested against Arkansas in a couple weeks. And on the other side, I mean, you have to be excited about what you saw uh, if you're a Longhorns fan. Quinn Ewers looked phenomenal in the first quarter, like 130 yards passing in the first quarter, deep balls, command of the offense. The team looked energized. The stadium was rocking. Sark was calling a great game. And, uh, you know, they just – they just lost by a point, you know, even with a couple stupid questionable calls in there with the safety and a missed face mask there in the fourth quarter. But uh, I like what I saw out of Texas for the first time since Mac Brown left. And um, again, glad South Bend Community College is 0-2. And that's basically the, uh, the recap for the week. So first off on Texas, you know, we'll talk more about them later probably, but yeah, unbelievable. And uh, I don't like when people say like, oh, they would have won if this or if that. That sounds like, you know, Syracuse newspaper reporting quality uh, assessments. You know, oh, they would have won, but this thing happened. Um, but it's pretty obvious they would have won that game if Quinn Ewers didn't get injured. And I mean, yeah, more so people talk about the Colt McCoy game, but Alabama, I, I mean, probably would have won that game anyway, or it would have been very close or there's no guarantee Texas would have won that championship. But this one, I I would write that down in pen. Like they would have won this game for sure. Without a doubt. And he's out, I don't know, allegedly four weeks. I looked yep. up the schedule. Um, the next three weeks are winnable games with Hudson card or whoever is playing. And then they've got Oklahoma in that week four. So if he's not back for that, that's a tough break. Uh, and also yep. Dan, I totally forgot about Steve Adazio getting thrown out of his last game before getting fired. Yeah. He invented uh, quiet quitting. <laughs> he got ejected. Like nobody gets ejected. I can't even think of another time a coach got ejected. I literally cannot, but he, he did. Uh, what a thief he is. He's getting paid like a million bucks for nothing. 
an absolute thief. Ryan, anything you want to add on the coaching front or shall we get into the lines? Let's do some lines. All right. Dan, you're going to lead this one. They don't look good on paper, but we said the same thing last week and look what happened. So let's talk about some games. All right. Sounds good. Thursday or Friday night, Florida state at Louisville, Florida state minus two and a half total 56. Well, um, this is a weird one. Louisville looked terrible against Syracuse. They also looked terrible against central Florida last week. I don't know if anyone watched that, but they did not look good. Central Florida just looked absolutely atrocious. Florida State's 2-0. They beat LSU. They seem like a better team. Um, I'm going to take Florida State. I just can't bet on Louisville. They, they looked awful two weeks in a row, and I, I don't think they're good. And as we know, Scott Satterfield is under a very hot seat, so uh, I can't back him under any circumstance. Yeah, easy pick. Florida State, <clears throat> not worried about that at all. They lay the uh, two-and-a-half or three. All right, sounds good. All right, we're going to jump ahead to Saturday now. we got Georgia on the road at South Carolina. Poor South Carolina. They get Arkansas-Georgia back-to-back. That is a physical train. I mean, just watching Arkansas play, man. I mean, they, they just smash the hell out of people. They are beyond physical. They wear you down throughout the game. K.J. Jefferson is like, is like a Mack truck running people over. Uh, anyway, Georgia minus 24 and a half. Yeah, uh, Georgia's now entered old Alabama territory of either you bet on them or you don't bet the game at all. Uh, to think that's pretty much clear at this point. If you want to bet Georgia, go right ahead. They're a machine. Totals 55. Go ahead and take an under. Uh, Georgia's given up three points so far this year in eight quarters. Last year we had the Georgia points watch every week where like they went they gave up like a hundred points on the year. We're on pace again this year. Um, I think Georgia wins something like thirty-eight to nine or something like that. But I don't know. Tom, what do you think? I agree. The line's a little too high, but I like an under. Yeah. Brian. This line is way too low. This this line should be thirty-one. So I am taking this no problem, 41-3, 38-point win. Get the under and the uh, Georgia hook. Easy bet. Rattler sucks. <laughs> Ryan, you you are the number one fan of the um, like cover and under hook, whether it's Utah last year or Georgia this year. Or you love these teams that win games 38-6. to six. I mean, there's there's a few of those out there, and there's value there. I mean, if you can if you can get a hook and and get that you know double up on that bet on that game, you know it makes sense. And they're just they're ridiculous. Their defense is so good. One thing I'll say about uh, the folks in Las Vegas, you know, they're they always were afraid to set overs too high. Even when those classic Baylor and Texas Tech teams would play, it would be like seventy four and and we would always say, you know, I don't know, seven years ago on the show, like that over under should be 88 points, but Vegas is just, we'll never put one that high. Well, the same thing is happening now with unders when you get teams like Iowa and Iowa state playing each other. And I literally laughed last week for like five minutes on the show about that over under being, I don't know, 41 saying this, that over under should have been 20 
four. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Vegas you, is you never said, going. I think you said 17 on the podcast and you're still good. What, I said 10, seven, right? Yeah. You said, you said the over under should be 17 and a half. Yeah. And I think, I think I, under. I think I might've called. I, <laughs> who knows? These shows go out of my head the minute we record, but I think I might've predicted the exact score on that one. I definitely bet it and uh, won some money on both the Iowa state and the under. So that was a nice one. And our friends in, at Iowa university are playing again. I can't wait to talk about that one, but yes, yeah, we'll look, look for some undervalue with Georgia this year. Yep. And if you want, you throw a little prop on a uh, Georgia defensive touchdown. Cause that's a hundred percent happening in this game. A hundred percent rattlers. Oh yeah. Rattlers throwing a pick six and getting strip sacked twice. Yeah. And a first, so, I mean a first yeah. half line, like this game will be, that's a fantastic. Play. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I like that. Rattler fumbles. Rattler fumbles has to be what one point five over under. It's not one. He's gonna he's gonna get killed. Yeah. Speaking of getting killed, UConn travels to Michigan. Uh, Michigan laying forty seven and a half total sixty. Michigan coming off their tough scrimmage against Hawaii last week, where they played like one hundred and thirty different players. Um, UConn. Seems to be right in mid-season form, getting 47 and a half. Total, total of 60. Uh, I want to start with Ryan, but because Tom's in Connecticut, I have no choice. Tom, who do we like in this game? Well, I got a question for you, Dan. First, what did you see from uh, Cade McNamara against Colorado State or J.J. McCarthy against Hawaii that uh, – it really separates the two in picking a starter for this game. You know, what's your take on that situation in that, that tough footage against two marquee opponents? There, there's nothing to learn from playing those two teams. And this is just a total charade. It's literally what we said before week one, where you brought it up. You're like, Michigan's going to split starts for quarterbacks. And we all were like, you're not going to learn anything because your first no. three opponents are uh, the worst. Yeah, no, you know what? Literally the worst. Like, Dan, if you were going to pick, Dan or Ryan, jump in. If you were a Power 5 team and you could pick any three opponents that you knew you would beat, that you would dominate, like, who would be the three you picked? Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, right? Yeah. Oh, UMass. Okay, UMass. But you're you're whatever. You're in there. Colorado State is is bad they 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 got blown out last week too yeah so you've got you got florida playing kentucky week two you got lsu and florida state matching up week one you got you know alabama going to texas meanwhile you got number four michigan playing the worst three teams you could possibly draw up so thank you jim harbaugh for really like going against the grain of college football Anyway, yeah. I, he's I don't, such a coward. I don't, I don't have a pick. Like I, I'm not betting that many points on Michigan again after we somehow lost our bet last week. Imagine it, what was it a 53 to 10, or 63 to 10 win or 53 to 10 and we lost. So I can't do Every, it again. Everything was on pace until they decided to play the ninth stringer against Hawaii's ones, and then it was an even game somehow. But so it's a stay away for me. Do? I. I bet you Michigan will win on the money line. I might make a like $5 Michigan money line bet and win two cents. It's worth it. It's a lock. Guaranteed winner. Okay. Moving on. Another early slate game. Oklahoma travels to Nebraska. 
Oklahoma laying 11, total 66. Ryan, start this one off. Uh, I'm going to pass because I have no feel for this game. I don't know anything about Oklahoma. I assume Nebraska is going to get the post-frost bump that every team gets after they fire their coach. If I had to bet, I'd take the 11 just out of that for that theory alone. And that's, that's really all I got. Yeah. Um, I'm, I feel the same way. I'm very scared of a post frost. Uh, what's his name? Mickey Johnson bump or whatever his name is. Um, maybe I'll fire a small bet on the over and just hope for a fun game with tons of points. That seems like Nebraska style to lose this like 42, 34, but then have everyone be like, they really played hard for Mickey in that loss. I'm taking Nebraska in the points. I've not been able to bet on Nebraska in multiple years at this point. And I got an itch that needs scratched. So give me the 11, hope for a close game. I don't think Oklahoma's that good. And 11's a lot. And why the fuck not? Thinking, okay. Dan, before we move on, Dan, talking about nostalgia and history and thinking about things, <laughs> it's time for one of our new favorite segments, historical NIL. Each, Thank you, Tom. Each I week, almost forgot. I know. It's very important. Can't move on yet. So no. every week we pick one game and uh, we think about players who played in the era before the NIL era, before two years ago. Uh, and we wonder if NIL deals had been available when they played, what kind of deal might they have signed? So I got a few, unless you guys want to go first. Go ahead, Tom. You started right off. I actually wrote some down so I would remember them. So I got two for each team. I got all right. One of them's nice, and a couple of them are not very nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, first one is touchdown Tommy Frazier doing an ad for the 1990s. Hey, remember the 1990s? Wasn't that so much of a better time for everyone? Nebraska football the world want to go back to the nineties. We'll buy a Tommy Frazier time machine and travel back to 1995 when everything was better. Uh, I like it. Next one. Hi, I'm Lawrence Phillips for Crest toothbrushes. You know, no toothbrush shaves down into a prison shiv better than Crest toothbrushes. <laughs> Very good. Uh, okay. And then my Oklahoma ones, uh, Jason White doing an ad for himself. Hey, remember me? I'm Jason White. I played for Oklahoma. I won a Heisman. I think I won a Heisman. I really don't remember either. Uh, and then the last one, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't put a real copy for this. So Adrian Peterson for Nintendo Switch. <laughs> that one's really good. Um all right, I got a couple. We're going to go uh, Scott Frost. is um, Going back to Coach's Restaurant last year, he's going to do one for Chili's because <laughs> if you get fired as a head coach, you can go be a manager at Chili's. And uh, we'll do Hollywood Brown for State Farm car insurance. So even if you get pulled over going 130 twice in a week, uh, we're willing to uh, give you insurance. Ryan, anything you want to contribute? Um, 
I only really had one. I got Baker Mayfield for LifeLock <laughs> because he's a complete fraud and you need to protect yourself against fraud. And if you draft him number one overall, you need that insurance protection. <laughs> so good. I love this segment. All right. Moving on, Dan, what do we got next? All right. We're going to the Carrier Dome, Tom. Yes. The 2-0 Syracuse Orange, the unfairly unranked Syracuse Orange. Feels so, hey, listen, it feels bad to have them unranked, but it feels so good in that beautiful air conditioning in the Dome. Finally got it after 50 years. With no first place overall votes from the pollsters, which is an outrage. Uh are in a pick against Purdue. Purdue opened a slight favorite. It's actually Syracuse minus one now. Total 60. I think you got to take Syracuse. This is insane. I mean, they're at home at the Carrier Dome. I know Purdue, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think they have any defense. I think Syracuse scores in the 30s. I kind of like the over a 60 as well. Uh you know, I don't like Syracuse, but I like money. So I'll probably take Syracuse and a pick them. Tom. This one's really hard because I do think Purdue can score a lot of points on Syracuse and, you know, put up 30 points with their error attack. And I think Syracuse has the ground game to put up 30 points on Purdue. So I actually think this game's going to be, you know, 32 31, 33 30, something right on the line and right on the over under. So I don't know. I I mean, I get, I guess you got to ride the hot feet of uh, Syracuse and Sean Tucker, right? That's right. Ryan. Wow. I can't believe I'm going to have to disagree with both of you guys. This is crazy. I actually like the, I actually like the under in this game. Okay. I think the only way Syracuse wins this game is if they control the clock. They have the dominant run game. Purdue's going to chuck it all over the place, but it's not the easiest place for a quarterback to play. Like if you've never played inside of a dome, like it's just a weird place to play. So I kind of like an under in this game. I have a feeling this is going to be like, you know, 24, 20, something like that maybe. And uh, so I actually like the under in this game. Okay. Okay, let's move on. We're, uh, we're going out west. BYU at Oregon. BYU off a nice overtime win against Baylor. Um, they're a good team. Oregon uh, scored like 80 points on a no-name team last week or something after getting shelled by Georgia. Classic Bo Nix. Oregon minus three and a half. Total 58. Great game. Uh, Z, why don't you kick this one off? I mean, this is in your guys' territory, so I'm just guessing here. This is outside of my geographic area of expertise, which be which would be the Midwest mostly. Uh, so take whatever I say with a grain of salt, but it does feel like BYU should win this one straight up. They just look like a better team. Right. Yeah, I, I actually agree. I think uh, <clears throat> BYU plus the the three, three and a half in some places – if you can get the three and a half, that's amazing. But I would actually just sprinkle money line on this. I think BYU can win this game straight up. I think they're the better team. And Oregon's just, this is a straight pick them. And Oregon's getting three and a half for home field instead of three because it's Autzen Stadium. 
I should add, like, we got to make sure uh, Mitt Romney is playing or whatever his name is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, make sure to check the health of the wide receivers for BYU. But but still, yeah, I'm going to make it three for three. I'll take BYU in the points. I think this game's a coin flip uh, just because of the home field. I think if it's at BYU, BYU rolls them pretty good. Uh, so I'm going to go BYU plus three and a half and hope for a win or a close game. We'll take it from there. All right, Tom, Penn State. It's, feel, it's feeling a lot like last year, Tom. Penn State going to start 5-0 and and get you excited. 2-0 and on the road at 2-0 and Auburn after a couple lackluster wins against Cupcake opponents for Brian Harsons. Penn State minus three on the road, total 48. Go ahead and break it down. Yeah, uh, I can't do it. I know that the easy pick would be to be Penn State. Brian Hartson in all sorts of trouble down there. Auburn looked awful against San Jose State last week. It's all lining up, but I know my Penn State boys, and uh, they're going to go down to Auburn to an SEC team, and it's going to be physical. And the one thing that's hurt Penn State in the last few years has been physical teams getting dominated by defensive lines. The Penn State's offensive line Seemed better last week, but I'm not a believer in them. I mean, they've been bad for years, and I need to see more evidence that they've improved. So I'm just I'm worried about Penn State having basically no run game and then having to rely completely on Sean Clifford and then having him get injured and having Drew Aller come in and have to play like a marquee road game. Um, I, I can't do it. So I can't pick Auburn out of principle because of everything going on there, but no, it's a stay away for me. I mean, I guess an under with these two teams always seems like a decent bet, but other than that, I got nothing. Ryan. Tom, I was hoping you were going to have some confidence in this game. Nope. I have, a, I do. I have confidence. I think the Penn state minus a three is an easy, easy play. Um, I think that this might be the the end for Harson. If Penn State actually takes care of them the way I think they will, which is going to be like twenty four to nine, I think Harson. If they don't score an offensive touchdown, I think he gets fired. And I think there's a really good chance that this game ends up being like twenty four nine. Yeah, we talked about it last week, but um, there are folks who believe Brian Harson is being set up to be fired after a loss should they lose this game. So. I hope that's the case. James Franklin, to my knowledge, has not taken a soul in the college football world in his eight years. So it would be nice to uh, end Brian Harson, put him out of his misery and let the Auburn fans move on with somebody better, better culture fit in their proud community. Their quarterback, TJ Finley, leaves a lot to be desired, by the way. <laughs> uh, on the year, through two games, 22 of 34 for 279, one touchdown, three picks against Mercer and San Jose State. Oh, boy. That is not good. You got to take Penn State here. I think they win by seven. That guy who you just described is the reason Bo Nix transferred out to Oregon. So feeling good about that BYU bet? Yes. Uh, All right, you know what? Penn State, BYU, teaser or parlay. 
I like that. The anti-Bonix, anti-Bonix pick. Yeah, you, and you'll, you'll actually get some good odds on that with BYU being plus. You'll probably get like three and a half, four to one. Pretty good. All right, here's one I want to briefly mention. Colorado at Minnesota. Minnesota laying 27 and a half with a total of 47. Ha, ha, ha. Can they cover and go under, Tom? Yes, Dan. (laughs) 38-3 final. Colorado is the worst, by the way. I don't know if anyone bet Air Force last week but me uh, against Colorado, but it, it it was amazing. It was on CBS Sports Network. Colorado can't play football. Like Minnesota's going to hand it off to Ibrahim uh, or whatever and just kill them. Uh, lay the 27 and a half. There's a chance their coach gets fired really soon. I don't know if he's even on the tarmac report, but like Colorado can't play football. They cannot play football. I, that, if you take anything away from this podcast tonight, besides the fact that Steve Adazio is a loser and it's now called South Bend Community College, it's that Colorado – cannot play football there's been a lot of right. state of colorado slander in this episode dan here it's well coming off of monday night football for the broncos it can continue minnesota um, minnesota can score they're a decent team this year let me put in a good word for minnesota instead of just betting against colorado okay okay let's scroll through the lines here a little bit we're gonna go down we're gonna go down to baton rouge where Mississippi State comes to LSU, Mississippi State with a two and a half point favorite, total fifty three and a half. LSU, of course, won by a hundred points against a nobody last week in true Brian Kelly fashion. Uh, I watched all of the Mississippi State Arizona game, which ended at twelve thirty Pacific time, three thirty a.m. for you folks in Starkville, Mississippi. That's just unbelievable. Um, Mississippi state is weird. They have a, they are, they have like these massive athletes on defense. Their defensive line is so big, or maybe they just look so big compared to Arizona. And then on offense, like they throw the ball for four yards, every play they are beyond the captain check down of check down, no vertical passes at all, but it's really efficient. It's kind of like Tom Brady, like 2017 on the Patriots. It just made you insane. It was, it's the same thing. I have no idea for this game. Um, no clue on a total, no clue on a side. I'm staying away. Ryan, do you have any feel for this one? Absolutely. No feel. I, I have so hard. I haven't picked a Mississippi state game, right? I think since Leach got hired, I picked every time I have a feeling strong one way or the other, I'm always wrong. I'm out. Tom, <laughs> I like how this is like a Shark Tank thing. I'm I'm also it's out. So hard. Yeah, it's a really hard game. All the sharks are out on this bet. Yeah, I'm not I'm not betting on that loser Brian Kelly, but you can't bet on Leach because he's too inconsistent. So stay away. Stay away. That's a good play. All right, we're gonna scroll down a little bit further. We're gonna go a little bit deeper. Uh, this is kind of a fun one. Texas Tech at NC State. NC State laying 10, uh, total 54. Texas Tech's a fun team. I don't know if anyone caught any of the Texas Tech-Houston game last week. Their backup quarterback's really good, and um, 
You know, NC State can score some points. I know it's the SEC, or, you know, they have a good defense, the ACC or whatever, but I'm not sure about the spread, but uh, I'll, I, I kind of like the over 54 in this game. I, I, I think this game gets in the 60s. So over for me in this one. Ryan, what you got? I like the over, and I love Texas Tech plus the points. They're good. They're legitimately a decent team. NC State is way, way overvalued. Lubbock to, to Raleigh is not that big of a deal for travel. That road game is not a big deal. So I actually like Texas Tech plus the 10. I know in the past they've traveled horribly on the road. I think of those all those West Virginia games. But I think this is a different Texas Tech. I actually like them. Z. Oh, I don't have anything to add. I agree with Ryan. Take the points. Okay. All right. Michigan State at Washington. This is kind of a fun game. This is where, if you don't know how college football works, the line will throw you off. 11th ranked Michigan State at unranked Washington. Washington minus three and a half. Total 56 and a half. Tom, Michael Penix, 700 yards passing and six touchdowns in two games. Yeah. Washington's head coach, as we know, is like an offensive genius and knows what he's doing, which is a, a really great hire. We talked about it last year. You talked about it week actually, one, Dan. I, that's why I want you to brag for a minute. Washington made a made a, a amazing under the radar hire, and I love what I see out of them so far. I don't trust Michigan State at all, but I don't like laying the three and a half either. It's this is really really tough. I think the total's right as well. I'm going to have to stay away. Ryan, what do you think? I actually, I, I actually think this total is way too high. Too um, high? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I could bet it over. No, there, that's, that's the way I look at it. I, I look at this and I'm like, there's just, I can't come up with enough scenarios in my head that makes sense that it gets over. So for me, this is, this is an underplay for me. I think this under is probably four points too high at least. So in for betting purposes, I'm with Ryan. I think the under is the only real appealing bet. I don't, I haven't watched enough Washington, but based on what I've heard from you guys and, you know, read about them, they seem to be, you know, really under the radar, nice team. Michigan state also is a little bit under the radar and looking pretty good. I know they've played inferior opponents, but they've looked, they've looked really strong so far in their defense, especially. So I'm not going to wager much on this game, but I think this, to me, this is the best game of the week. Like an, a sneaky, great game. It is. Please talk about the next game following because that is the opposite. Are you talking about South Florida, Florida? No, or no, are you no. talking about? Right, Dan, I've got to, sorry, Dan, I've got to take over this ship for a second. Go right We're ahead. going from what I consider the best game of the week on a little under the radar oh, I, I, to, know, to the under the radar Worst game of all time, literally our entire life. Yes, Dan? This would be Nevada at Iowa. Yes, thank you very much. Nevada at Iowa. Iowa. Oh, we all saw it last week. The beautiful 10-7 thriller against their arch rival, Iowa State. But what many people didn't see, you guys being West Coasters might know this, but I, I doubt many East Coasters paid attention to Nevada. A, was it 14-point loss, I believe? Yeah. 14 point loss to incarnate word, the religious school that goes around collecting $400,000 paychecks to lose. 
the team that uh, like they're just cat, they're hammering a paycheck. They have no anticipation of winning. They go around and play these big schools. They play Nevada who should have dominated them. This should have been a 40 point win for Nevada and they lost by two touchdowns. So they might be, you know, we might've um, left them out of the conversation with the whole like Hawaii, Yukon, Colorado state worst teams. Um, so here you go. They're not going to score. I mean, they'll maybe they'll score three and Iowa can't score against anyone. So again, Vegas sees a 39 point total and they don't like going below that number, but the, the over under really should be, you know, if you're not doing it for, you know, to get people on both sides, if you were doing it, just what you actually thought the score would be 22, maybe 27 generously. So I'm going to get a nice under and I don't think you can bet Nevada, but there's no way you can lay 23 with Iowa. So you might have to bet Nevada and it's just going to be a like 21 zero game. Like I don't think they can score 23. There is a good chance that Nevada gets shut out and covers. Very rare. Yes. Yes. That's thank you for making that succinct. That's what I'm going for. The cover shutout. Yep. 17, nothing. Iowa 20, zero. <laughs> oh God. I don't think there's anything left to talk about this game. We can move on. Um, here's one that I definitely want to talk about. Oh, I've been waiting all show for this one. Pitt at Western Michigan. No, here we go. So Pitt minus 10 at Western Michigan, total 47 and a half. I got to brag a little bit. Last week, a lot of pit love on the group text. People getting real excited about pit starting 0-2. And I will pat myself on the back here. What did I say, Tom? What did I say? You said, and I quote, I I think Pitt was up 21-7 at this point. And I said, hey, they actually look good. And you write back, Nard Dog has you right where he wants you. <laughs> that was the highlight and then, of my you, and then your, your next one said, I guarantee they will lose. <laughs> that was correct, Tom. And I got one for you this week. Pitt's going to lose at Western Michigan no, this week no. too. No, Yes, they are, Tom. Pitt, you thought they were starting 3-0. and No, nope, they're starting 1-2. and <laughs> Last year, Western Michigan beat Pitt in Pitt. This year, they're catching 10 at home, night game, 7.30. On TV, especially if, if, if their quarterback Slovis is out, the backup is terrible. He couldn't throw the ball at all. Um, Western Michigan, plus 10, lock of the week. Can I what say like, something? Tom? Well, um, I guess I'll go with you on that. But what's funny to me, we always joke about our quarterback name theory. You know, back in the day when you had a name like uh, if Stetson Bennett had played in 2012 – you know, we would have immediately bet on him because of the name. Like if you had a yacht club name, you'd be a good quarterback. Now everybody has a yacht club name, so it's a little harder to tell. But I think we can do the reverse theory. What's his name? Nick Patty. It's like the, the, the absolute last guy let on the yacht club and he's no good. So, so the reverse yacht club name is now in practice. So Um, if he plays, 
I'm definitely with you. If uh, Slovis plays, I don't know. How how do you how are you Pittsburghians feeling about your Keaton Slovis for Jordan Addison straight up trade? Not good based on Addison being unstoppable so far. I don't know if you've watched him play, but uh, he's pretty freakish. You traded the third best currently starting USC quarterback for the greatest receiver in the country. Yeah, he's going to play on Sundays, Tom. He's quite good. All right, moving along. The alleged game of the week. It would have been a battle of 13th ranked Miami against a number five ranked team in the country, but thanks to Steve Adazio. Miami travels to Texas A&M, 24th ranked Texas A&M. They couldn't quite knock him out of the polls, of course. Just they love the, the polls. Love it's Texas fucking A&M. unbelievable. They love it's them. such a goddamn joke. A&M minus five and a half, total 44 and a half. Ryan, can you start this one off, please? For, I'm, just, I'm too angry to speak. Just go right ahead. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. And, you know. I'm not one to necessarily praise Steve Adazio or say many good things, but I'm going to say something semi-nice here. It's not all his fault. He was hired by an incompetent idiot, and it's time for the tarmac report, yes, people. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> all right. I got some things to say. Two weeks in. A lot of the small schools have been playing the big dogs. A couple upsets here and there. Great for them. But it's still too early in the year for me to do to put any of them on the tarmac. So we're going to have a power five tarmac today. And there's no one more power five than number five. And that is Jimbo Fisher. Welcome to the tarmac, Jimbo Fisher. He's... I've been ragging on this guy for years, so this is nothing new from me. But here's a little stat for you. First 50 games as head coach at Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher, 35 wins. Kevin Sumlin, 36. Ranked wins. Jimbo Fisher, seven ranked teams he's beaten. Kevin Sumlin, nine. Ranked road wins, Jimbo, zero road wins against a ranked team, Kevin Sumlin, five. Losses to group of five schools, Jimbo Fisher, one, Kevin Sumlin, zero. In every major statistical category for coaches, Kevin Sumlin has outperformed Jimbo Fisher in their first 50 games. I know it's like a $100 million buyout, but that guy is not worth this kind of money. It's not worth poking the bear. Master Saban does not appreciate this. And the karma gods are kicking them in the nuts as hard as possible. Jimbo, welcome to the tarmac. Number four, a staple of the tarmac, got doubled up last week. On the road in Stillwater, Herman Edwards, this is perfect. We got end of summer golf season. We got overseed coming up in about a month. So he's got at least another month of coaching. But once overseed is done and, and 
the courses are back to pristine, perfect quality, you can go ahead and let Herm go. He's got plans and tee times. All right. Number three, Dan, you brought him up earlier. I almost had to jump in and I couldn't. I just, I had to wait. But Carl Durrell at Colorado. The worst. Honestly, I, is there a chance that he's just like completely stoned all the time? It's Colorado. Being in, it's Colorado. Being in Boulder. Like, I just have this feeling like there's this vent in his office that he doesn't know about that's down to like a player's lounge. And they're all just getting roasted in the player's lounge. And it's just wafting into his office as he comes up with game plans. He's like talking to recruits and he's like, yeah, man, come to Boulder. We're a football team. <laughs> like, not good. That guy is asleep at the wheel. All right. Number two, Tom, this is for you. The Big Ten. The big loser. We know. The big the big nepotism. Yes. Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> it's my only question I, was whether you were gonna go with Kirk or Brian. Or, oh, don't worry. When we do the assistant coach tarmac, you already know who number one's gonna be. That's no that's no secret. But dad's I, gotta go. Dad's gotta go first because he'll never fire his son. And they're just a package deal at this point. And we also got the greatest cameo of all time. Did you guys see that cameo video of Bob Stoops? That's so good. That's the first and only time in my life that I have been a Bob Stoops fan. That was amazing. Incredible. I know he got duped and didn't know he was doing it, but it was phenomenal. Not phenomenal, however, is number one on the tarmac. We told, we said in week one, he was on my watch list. And I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he hired an, an innovative offensive mind. That helped, but not enough to overcome the mighty Jayhawks of Kansas. At home in Morgantown, Neil Brown, you lost to Kansas. You automatically... <laughs> Have to go to number one on the tarmac. There are rules here. This isn't nom, right? We have to, we have procedures and protocols. If you lose to Kansas, you go on the tarmac directly to number one. Neil Brown. We already claimed our first victim, Scott Frost. You're up next. Let's go. The tar. <laughs> Congratulations and on another great one. Yes, more. Thank you. And and. Speaking of tarmac and unemployed coaches, Dan, since I mentioned that Jimbo Fisher is going to be without a job soon, do you have any recommendations for Jimbo? (laughs) I do. Uh, First of all, just a quick aside, Neil Brown found a way to lose by 13 in overtime last week to Kansas, which (laughs) takes a whole nother level of incompetence to figure out how to do that. Um, All right. Coach's restaurant, Jimbo Fisher. Another tough decision. I know I say it every week. I went back and forth. I almost did Panda Express, but I pulled it out at the last second. Jimbo is a mystery wrapped inside of an enigma inside of a maze, right? Offensive coordinator at LSU wins a national championship. Head coach Florida State wins a national championship. 
takes over at A&M, somehow beats Alabama last year, but then loses to Appalachian State. You don't know what's going on. This way, this is why he would be a great manager of the sandwich artists of Subway. Because at Subway, nobody knows what's going on with their tuna fish. (laughs) Jimbo doesn't know what's going on in college football. He's got amazing recruits. He's got Steve Adazio. Subway's got sandwiches. They got a mystery fish in the back. They got a chicken breast that's pre-cooked. You just kind of it, it like it's not even cooked. It's not microwave. It just it kind of thaws out and goes to the pan out front. Is it real chicken? We're not sure. Subway is the number two largest franchise in the entire world. They are the worst franchise to own of any fast food in the entire world. Um, the owners take a huge percentage of all the profits. There are no zoning laws. Tom, you can open up a Subway in your backyard, and Subway would franchise another one in your neighbor's backyard. They do not care as long as they get their cut. Um, that's why sometimes you'll see like eight Subways in a one-mile radius somewhere. Um, with all different owners because they don't care. Anyway, they're an evil company. Jimbo's an evil coach. He hired Steve Adazio. I don't know what he's doing. Um, He'll be fine at Subway. Just, you know, choose what kind of bread, slap some shit on it, ring it in as a meal deal and call it a day. He'll be fine there at Subway. Um, That's pretty much it. Jimbo Fisher, Subway. My two favorite segments of all time back to back. I'm losing it over here. Dan, whatever happened with the subway fake bread controversy? <laughs> because there's so much sugar in it, it's not actually real bread. I don't know if we came up with an answer. Just like the tuna. They actually started a website. Like Subway has a website. It's it's like www.subwaytunafacts.com. <laughs> Dead serious. The the corporate put out where you can go and hear all about how it's freshly cooked or caught albacore. Eh, no, it's not. Look, okay, this I will tell you. I have sandwich artist experience, as you know, from my Yukon days. In order to make the tuna fish at Subway, you take two pounds of tuna out of the pack. You take two pounds of mayonnaise out of a jug. You put it in a giant bowl with your hands. You mix it around like this. And you put it in a bin. It's 50% tuna, 50% mayo when it gets to customers before you even add any additional mayonnaise. By the time you're done with that sandwich, you have a 70% mayonnaise and, and lettuce sandwich. Mm-mm. Smells like Jimbo against Appalachian State. Um, just a total disaster. So I love the, Jimbo, I love the website. That's, that's so good. The uh, Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know up. why, Dan. The... the uh, our tuna sandwiches contain real tuna.org website is not, not a uh, assuaging people of their doubt. So, so I take it. We're all taking Miami plus five and a half here. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There's a, oh yeah. There's a game. Yeah. All right. Cristobal's okay. Cristobal's good. Let me say something. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, Miami quarterback ended last year. He's flown slightly under the radar. I think people are starting to recognize him. I didn't know this. He ended last year with six straight games of 300 yards passing and three touchdowns in all six games. And the only other uh, power five QB to ever do that, Ryan, you know, the answer. 
I'll give you a hint. He Warfield. played he played about three years ago and he's the coolest guy ever. Burrow? Joe Burrow, baby. Oh, so yeah. we're in Tyler Van Dyke's approaching Joe Burrow territory. And and an avid golfer. Excellent. Um, my, um, uh, I'm going to make a pick on this game. The pick on this game is it's subway tunafacts.com. I verified it on the computer. You can go to that website and read all about the tuna subway. And I'm not making a pick on the game. That's it. Okay. You, you guys talk about the next games and I will end the show by reading some tuna facts. We only got one game left to talk about. Ryan's going to throw some odds and ends game. I have one more I want to talk about. It's a late night game of the week. Fresno State at USC. Jake Hayner, 65 of 87 for 737 yards, three touchdowns on the year so far. Takes on the offensive machine of USC, which scored on every offensive possession against Rice and their first seven possessions against uh, Stanford. I think they scored on 15 possessions in a row. That being said, Fresno's defense is unbelievably bad. They couldn't stop Oregon State uh, at the end of last week. Awesome game, by the way. Um, They couldn't stop them. USC's defense is terrible, and Stanford easily could have scored in the 50s last week if they didn't turn the ball over. USC at home, minus 12, total 75. Forget the 12. 75 seems high. No, it is not. This is a 100-point game hammerlock. Favorite two plays of the week are Western Michigan for a spread play and a total play. This game's going way the fuck over. Not even close to 75. Way 112-point type game. Like 62-43 type nonsense. Um you should take a nap, Tom. This is a fun one. Wake up. It's on at 1030 your time to sneak down to the living room, get a bag of chips, head over to Subway and get a sub. Don't get the tuna. Get in front of the TV and strap in. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ryan. Yeah, I mean, Dan just nailed it. The play here is, is USC minus the 12 is an easy play. Over 75, easy play. Over 85, easy play. Over 95, I like that too. I got 63-33. We're going to get 96 points. Just slightly below the 112 Dan predicted, but I'm going to go with 63-33 USC. All right, Tom, you got anything? Myth. The New York Times reported (laughs) Subway's premium fan favorite tuna wasn't actually tuna. Truth. Not true, exclamation point. What actually happened is that the New York Times commissioned a test that couldn't detect tuna DNA in their sample. According to scientific experts, this is not unusual when testing cooked tuna, and it absolutely doesn't mean the sample that was tested contained zero tuna. So there you have it, folks. Fact. Facts. Fact. By the way, that's the only fact in the tuna fact check on this page. That's the, there's only one. The official webpage put out by, by, by the marketing and PR team of Subway. That, that's the best they could do. The court dismissed the plaintiff's reckless and improper complaint surrounding Subway's tuna on October 7th, 2021. Reckless. Come the plaintiffs then filed another meritless amended complaint, which Subway moved to dismiss. So funny, isn't it? 
This is unbelievable. Oh, oh wait, God. they oh they lost that complaint, the second complaint. <laughs> While the court's ruling is disappointing, we look forward to prove <laughs> <laughs> We look forward to oh. proving our tuna is tuna once and for all. Tell you, Jimbo and Adazio are ready to run the show. Our position has not changed. We serve 100% real wild caught tuna. So fucking funny. How do you feel about Kansas State minus 14 against Tulane? Against Tulane? Yeah. Ryan shaking his head. You, you got guys, something, Tom? No, I, I don't know. That seems like uh, your territory, but isn't Kansas State good now? I don't. Uh, I don't know. All right, never mind. Much, much like the accusation against Subway, that was a meritless claim that I just made. <laughs> we Ryan, were... do you have any games you, that I missed you want to talk about? I got three quick picks. Um, do it. A little outside the box. I'll start with the more obvious one. Uh, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is atrocious. Lane's gonna, Lane's gonna go on the road. It's only 16 and a half. I mean, this, this should be a 30 point win. Uh, I don't see any way it's not a 30 point win. So, like Ole Miss there, Tom. Yeah, uh, totally overlooked that one. That's my favorite bet of the entire week, and we somehow missed it. So, 100% me too. With that one. Yep. And now I got two really obscure ones for you guys. I have chopping wood in New Jersey, Rutgers minus 17 and a half against Temple. Temple is really, really, really bad. They're like Yukon bad. So Oof. Rutgers doesn't get a lot of opportunities to put to, to actually put someone behind the woodshed while they're chopping the wood. But uh, <laughs> to build the woodshed. They're 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 gonna they're gonna they're chop gonna, a lot of wood. They're gonna build a wood build shed. a woodshed. Yeah. Correct. There's so much wood they're gonna pick up. Yeah. Correct. So Temple's terrible. This is just a fade against them. And then another really bad team that I have no idea what the, why this line makes sense. Dan, didn't Old Dominion beat Virginia Tech? Yes. Then why are they plus eight and a half against Virginia, who is worse than Virginia Tech? That's a good point. I think Old Dominion has a chance of sweeping Virginia. They're the best program in Virginia. It's going to be yeah. Liberty versus Old Dominion for the title of Virginia's best team. That's, that's a good pick. Yeah, that's an easy one for me. So if you want, you could throw a little three-way parlay, take Rutgers, Old Dominion, Ole Miss. That's nice. a fun one. Very good. Tom, you got any final college football tuna, new metal, new metal, new metal. I can save the new metal for another time. I think we're over time, so we should wrap it up, but that'll be it. I've got my new metal restaurant menu, which is uh, evergreen content. Dan never gets old. (laughs) Looking forward to it. Uh, Last word, either of you two. South Bend community college. All right, tuna facts. Have a good night, everyone, and we will be back next week. Bye. Take the point. Take the point. Take the point. Take the point.